Good morning, uh, Faith family. Um, this is, whole process is a little new to many of us, but I'm glad that you're uh, gathering with us. That technology allows us to be together in a, a virtual sense and know that our spirits and hearts are certainly with each other. I uh, want to talk through Psalm 77 this morning as a, uh, as a focus for, our, uh, for the message. As I've talked with many of our people, it's um, very aware and even true to my own heart that this last week has been somewhat surreal. Um, we're about a week and a half, I think, until everything started kind of clo- closing down. The word that keeps coming back is disorienting. You know, like um, if you're spending a night at, uh, on vacation or at a family member's house, uh, visiting family, and you wake up in the middle of the, of the night and you're not really sure, kind of takes you a second to kind of figure, okay, where am I? What bed am I in? Okay, and then, then, then it all kind of comes to. I, I feel like that, you know, um, that you're just, things are just surreal, that you're a bit disoriented. Have hard questions from my kids. If I'll ever be able to do this thing that was on the calendar that we were hoping to do, going back to school, um, dealing with disappointment. I think there's concern on many levels, trying to figure out who to listen to. Are we uh, overreacting or underreacting? Um, The stress of having your kids pretty close to you you 24-7, just the weightiness of the whole thing, and uh, not knowing when it will all end. Those are all very familiar feelings that I have felt over this past uh, 10 days. And I think uh, disorienting or weightiness really is the right word. I'm not discouraged, uh, at least not yet, but discouragement in my life comes and sometimes it comes when I least expect it and it comes in waves. And I think it certainly will come for you. Um, If you're, I think, just a normal, typical person, um, weightiness and discouragement are just part of life. Just a typical life everyone encounters, maybe some more than others. And I want us to be ready. Uh, I can't stop difficulty or discouragement or depression from knocking on your door. Um, But I think and my hope is that we could prepare our hearts beforehand. And Scripture does that for us. It uh, gives us every answer we need, right, for life and ministry and mission that's in front of us. So I want to read Psalm 77, and I think you'll identify with some of this. Psalm 77 is a psalm of Asaph. The psalmist writes, I cry aloud to the Lord, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate on it in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn me forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. 
I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. With your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. I think there's uh, a great deal of encouragement for you and certainly for me in this season, just in life in general, found in Scripture. I love that God's Word is living and active, and it speaks to us, and through it, the Holy Spirit illuminates the truth of God, and it has this reorienting effect on our lives. There's a typical struggle in the Christian life, and you see it from the psalmist here. One of the reasons I love Scripture is just how real and honest it is. You see, all Christianity, all the walking with Christ is not just romance. There's real feelings that we encounter, the feeling that God's not always with us. You see that here, that God's love and kindness has ceased, the psalmist says, that his promise would not be reliable, that his compassion has been lost, that he's a fickle God and he's changed on us, that he's fallen asleep at the wheel. Again, the psalmist being so real and honest with us. And this is not just isolated to the psalmist. This is the typical struggle of the Christian life. When you survey the great characters of Scripture, you become aware very quickly that almost all of them at one time or another knew great discouragement. Job called a man of God blameless and upright, whose painful illness brought him low. He says in Job chapter 7, My days come to an end without hope. My eye will never again see anything good. Sounds like the words from one of your kids when you discipline them, right? You know, Moses, described as the meekest man on earth in Numbers 12, and rises as one of the greatest examples in the Old Testament of a man who submitted to God and was used by God for this great deliverance of God's people. He was faced with this incredible task of leading over a million Hebrew people. I've been thinking this week, I can't lead my tribe of five. Can you imagine leading a million people? There came a time when Moses felt the crushing weight of his assignment. He cries out in Deuteronomy 1, How can I bear the troubles, burdens, and disputes of these people myself? Elijah, one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, asked for his life to be taken. David, in his efforts to hide his sin, made journal entries in the book of Psalms that we're able to read today, speaking of a total loss of strength, ebbing away that is all that is worthwhile in life, and groaning all day long, he says in Psalms 32. Jonah, the first foreign missionary, became deeply despondent when God didn't destroy the city of Nineveh. Jeremiah was so profoundly sad that we remember him today as the weeping prophet. Then there's Nehemiah and Ezekiel and Peter and Gideon and more. The company of the discouraged is the very noble company. As a matter of fact, we as Christians could be called the fellowship of the troubled heart. So now, if this is a very real struggle, and I believe it is, I think scripture proves that it is, How does the psalmist 
deal with this? What does he do in this critical time of darkness and discouragement? What is his strategy for living? How does he live his life in the midst of this struggle? And and how should we respond to this? The answer is in verses 11 and 12. But before I get there, I want to read verses uh, 13 and 14 so that you can see the effect of his strategy. So the first few verses... He's overwhelmed with so much trouble in verse four that he says, I cannot speak. And he tries to meditate his heart on the good things and he just continues to forget them. And then you see at the end of the Psalm, verse 13, he says, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. He is almost bursting forth into a worship song somehow. You are the God who works wonders. You've made known your might among the peoples. With your arm, you redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. What's happened to him? What's happened between verses 7 through 10? When he was so low and uncertain and discouraged, and then in verses 13 through 15, breaking out in this worship of confidence with God, His worship has swallowed up his doubt and the boldness in God has swallowed up his fear. A man who was timid and crying out, God, where are you? Are you not going to keep your promises? Where have you been? Now shifts and pivots in this new way to declare the goodness of God. What happened to him? This is what we want to happen when we're in darkness or discouragement or doubts. What's the key? Let's look at 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12, reading uh, strategy here. He says in verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. So to answer the question, how do we move through discouragement and darkness without losing our faith, without losing our way? How do we overcome this typical Christian struggle? The psalmist would encourage us to remember, to meditate, to reflect, to consider the deeds and wonders of God. This is the way we live the Christian life. Surely you found by now that you can't just trust your feelings. Feelings are good and they're given by God, but we can't let them in the driver's seat of our life. They're great passengers. But if they're in the driver's seat, the path our life is on is going to end up in the ditch more than not. And so he, is, he encourages us to remember, to ponder, to meditate. Before I get uh, to the part where we explain kind of what those things are, you'll notice in many of the Psalms that there's this word Selah. Most of you probably know that that's a musical term in the book of Psalms that signifies a rest or a pause. The Psalms were songs and they were prayers and they were meant to be sung and the people of God would sing them just as part of their day as Deuteronomy had instructed in the Shema that they would remember the words and decrees of God. They made a lot of these into songs and they would sing them as they went and traveled and it became very familiar to them. And there were these musical 
parts where they would pause and they would begin to think about. They would sit in silence for a moment or two or even a minute or two and think about what they had just sang. They're to signify a sacred moment of silence. And I think we have many of those in life, these sacred moments of silence. Sometimes they're moments of joy and sometimes moments of complete sorrow. It's funny how in some of the biggest moments of our life, words can't adequately respond. I remember when my first daughter Claire was born and uh, the whole birth part was very scientific to me. It was just like, this is amazing how this happens. And I'm also aware of how, you know, little part I play in all of this. They take Claire, clean her up, wrap her up, and then hand her to me. And I just remember, I just don't know how to respond. It was this moment of silence. It was a Selah kind of moment. You're just taking it all in. Moments when dear friends have gotten bad calls from the doctor where you're just, uh, they call you and ask you to pray. There's no real words you have at the moment. You just sit there in silence. It's a Selah kind of moment. I remember when my dad was on his deathbed. And we didn't know. We were hoping, certainly praying for healing. No one else was in the room but he and I. And he was scared. I've never really seen my dad scared before. He was scared. And he asked me to read John 14 to him. And I started with the first few words, but I couldn't speak. It was just, the moment was too big for me. So I just sat in silence. Thankfully, the Bible app on my phone will read for you. So we just press play and listen to it together. And I think this is a great gift in the book of Psalms to us, that there's not words for everything. There's these moments, these real emotive truths that are spoken for us. And then there's these moments of pause and steel to still our hearts, these Selah kind of moments. The question here is how do we get through these dark times? How do we manage discouragement? How do we experience the blessing of life without getting prideful and self-righteous? And I think it all goes back to a dependence upon God. You might say, Pastor, explain this dependence. Help me flesh this out. Let's look back at verses 11 and 12 just for a minute. Maybe you got a pen where you're at, you're following along in your Bible, you're at, maybe you're even taking dopes. I'd, I'd encourage you to do that in times like this. I know it's kind of hard to track with digitally. You're on your couch, you're distracted by so many things, but maybe these four things would really help. First, you would underline that word, remember. He says it twice in verse 11, remember the deeds of the Lord, remember God's wonders of old. The deeds of the Lord, this is the things that you've seen him do in your day. As you look back over your life, you see all the times that God has proven himself faithful. 
before I really get into some kind of pity party myself, this can be the first step out as I just feel myself in this funk, this dark cloud over me. This is, this is the practice that I've learned. I just sit down and I just think about all that God has done in my life and what I've seen him do and the blessing that he has brought to me. I was doing this just last week, sitting on my couch early one morning. Everyone else is still asleep and I'm discouraged by all of this. I want to continue to to operate as normal, I know that I can't. And meditating on this very psalm, I remember the deeds of the Lord. I just start to think how good God has been to me, how he's proven himself faithful so many times in my own life. Remember the deeds of the Lord. And maybe you would do that even now, just in a Selah kind of moment, you would think back, and make a mental list of all the things that God has done. He goes on and encourages us to remember the wonders of old. This is all the stories of God's faithfulness and provision for all the saints of all time. How he moved in parting the Red Sea, how the walls fell at Jericho. Even remembering the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus himself came face to face with darkness. The realization of dealing with our own sin, my sin, your sin. In his darkest hour, he prayed for another way, but resigned to ultimately do the Father's will. We remember remember the wonders of old. And maybe not even in just scripture. We can see how God's moved in the life of other believers. I remember my dad giving me a biography of George Mueller and the great prayers he prayed as he led this orphanage. And how God moved mightily and my faith was stirred. And even now it's stirred. I get reports from our missionaries overseas and what God's doing and my faith is stirred up again. This is what the psalmist is doing. He's remembering the deeds of the Lord, what he's done in our day, but he's remembering the wonders of old, what God has done throughout history. And here's a little secret to understanding the Psalms. I touched on this just before, but Psalm 77 is a prayer. And if you're going to read it authentically, you read it as a prayer. You pray it. I think this is the way all scripture should be read in a sense that we read it in the presence of God. We read it before God and to God. We read it as praise to him or confessions to him or questions to him or pleas to him. God is always listening to his own words in our mouths and in our minds. And he's watching what we do with the truth of the word. He cares what we do with it. So we should be aware that he's listening to our reading and we should acknowledge to him and to our own hearts that he's with us and that we want him involved in the reading and the listening, praying that he would help us understand. Even in this moment, God, help me understand what it means to remember the deeds of the Lord and the wonders of old. To ponder all your work. That's the third thing, to ponder all your work. God is not asleep at the wheel of your life. He has not forgotten us. He has not left us to deal with this current crisis by ourselves, no matter how it might feel in the moment. We ponder the work of God. We look at creation. There's been a little bird that perches on a tree right next to my bedroom window, a little cardinal. He's 
woken me up every morning. It's a little bit annoying, but it's, I get up and I look out and I see him perched on the branch and just think about God's promises about the birds. That not a bird falls without God noticing. We ponder God's work. He's not asleep at the will of your life. He's not forgotten us. He hasn't left us to deal with this current crisis by ourselves. No matter how we might feel in the moment, we, we look at creation. It lifts our eyes up. If the posture of the world is worry in a time like this, the posture of the church should be worship. This is where the psalmist ends up. He says, your way is through the sea. We didn't read that part. It's in verse 19. I love how he ends there. That God's way is through the sea. In essence, saying we can't really see what he's doing. We can't trace his footsteps all the time. So we have to trust his promises. There's a current worship song that the refrain I keep singing over and over. It's so true and so good for my heart to claim. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Maybe you would take a second, just right now, just right where you're at. And remember how God's worked in your life. Consider or reflect on how he's working all around you. How even in this crisis, he could be doing something so big and great that we don't understand and see because his way is through the sea. We can't, we can't trace his footprints. I was reading this week, Colossians 1 says that all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That phrase, in him all things hold together. That has bolstered my faith every day this week. That this has not taken God by surprise. It's in him, literally in the person of Jesus, that all things hold together. Finally, the last point, we're almost done, is to meditate on God's mighty deeds. This is when we allow the promises of God, the cross of Christ, the gospel, to soak our thoughts and feelings, to meditate on the truth. Meditate, it says, on God's mighty deeds. Like a river running over our thoughts or like a wind through the trees, the word of God, to meditate on it. The word meditate is this Hebrew word, haga. And it's a picture word of a lion eating its prey when shepherds try to come back and, and get the prey from the lion. The lion knows that the shepherds are more noised than danger. So the lion just growls as he eats, as if to drown out the noise that they are providing. That's what meditation is. For us, that we would meditate on God's word and it would be louder than the news. It would be louder than social media. It would be louder than hysteria. That God's word would be our ultimate reality. You, you see how this reorients us around the truth? If this season has been disorienting, it's the word of God, the truth of God, the promises of God that reorient us. We meditate on his word. We should let God's promises rest in our minds for several hours or several days as the enemy comes to enforce discouragement. We just reflect on the truth that we have so readily accessible through Scripture. In Him, all things hold together. Maybe you've been overwhelmed with the circumstances of life. Maybe this current crisis has really floored you. 
Maybe you're disoriented like so many of us. And God's word revealed through the spirit again is what brings us back to center. I pray that you would let it. You wouldn't just binge on Netflix in the coming weeks. You would schedule your day where you would maybe have morning, uh, middle of the day, and evening prayer, that you would read your word with the family, that you would work on memorizing the word together, that you would use the psalmist example here as an example or a way to move from worry to worship. Isn't it awesome that we can be still before the Lord, humbled in his greatness, overwhelmed with his goodness, and sustained by his grace? Faith family, I want you to know that we've been praying for you, maybe more than ever before, certainly in the season of Lent, as we're preparing to celebrate Easter, and that's going to be different for us too. We're praying for you, that you wouldn't allow the enemy to have victory during this season, but you would take special time and special focus with special intention to focus on God's word and his promises. We pray for us, and we're going to close with another song. God, thank you for your gift of grace. Thank you for these incredible words. This raw authenticity of the psalmist to express his feelings of being overwhelmed and wondering where you are, so burdened that he can't sleep, yet to find this resolution that you are still God and still on the throne. Help us to see and encounter, to really experience your sovereignty over all things. I pray that we would be encouraged, that our people would be full of joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it would be contagious as we encourage our neighbors from our doorsteps sometimes. Lord, thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.